Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to episode 176 of Geek Town Radio. My co-host this week is Daryl. How are you doing? Hey there, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. So, uh, what have you been up to since you were last on? It's been a while. So, um, the quickest thing was yesterday, I was at the Sunday Film Club, which is a community event at St. Luke's Community Centre in London. Cool. Where every month, the people there arrange a film viewing with snacks, and then afterwards, we have have a discussion about the film. Oh, cool. And the, and the film this time was Last Action Hero. Oh, cool. <laughs> what a great movie. It is a great movie. See, most people didn't like it, but I was like, this is a lot better than I than I remember. Yeah. Seeing as I watched it like 20 years ago. Yeah. It gets a lot of stick, that film, but I actually rather like it. I think it was a, a really interesting idea. Yeah, I think it was pretty spot on. And you could watch it and go, in terms of like the special effects and, and the demolition stuff, I mean, that's as good as anything you see today. Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean obviously, in... there's no there's no aliens, but yeah, it's just yeah. good old blow some cars off, stupid, unrealistic driving through, you know, build up areas and stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, back in those days, there were probably mainly practical effects, I would have thought, yeah. quite a lot yes. of the time as well, a which is probably... Blo- yeah. I- yeah, blowing up a lot of buildings. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, it's. Uh, I, have to, I might have to go and dig that movie out again. I, w- I would recommend it. It's great. It's as I say because I mostly remember the back half of the film. Yeah, but the front half is very, very strong. Yeah, I think the back half is a little weaker. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, we there was a few of us there, and you know, had had some snacks, had had some talk about it, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and they good. do that once a month. And you can search them out on Facebook um, for St. Luke's Community Centre Sunday Film Club and you can learn more about it there. Awesome. That's worth going to look up if you're in the area, definitely. So that was, yes, that was yesterday. But um, so like since the last time, as you recommended it to me, I took the plunge and, and watched one episode of American Vandal. Right, yes. The first season. And then yeah. I watched the whole thing that <laughs> night. It's amazing. I wasn't sure about it, but yeah, once with the plunge, it surprised me. Like very few sort of like well-known actors or actresses. I think the, probably the biggest name was Saxon Page Charbino, right. who's been on quite a few things, who was the guy's boast. And I'll say no more about that. Yeah. The person involved in the guy's, in the guy's boast. Yeah, and I, I just liked it because you watch it and you really get into it the sort of drama and it came up through my said this is real this isn't a real story <laughs> this yeah. is just a 
It's a mockumentary. But then they'll just drop in one of those really dumb little puns or jokes, and you'll sort of realize what they said like 30 seconds later. Say, what? Did they just? Yes, they did. <laughs> they just make it? Yeah. Yeah. So and then I think probably two days later, I watched all of the second season. Yes, because the second season came out fairly recently, yeah. actually, didn't it? Yeah, it came out. So it's probably, it, it's probably out for like a week when I saw it. And I would say it's, e- it's easily as good as the first season. It could be better and might be even better. Awesome. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Hopefully, we'll get another season after that I don't think it's been renewed yet or cancelled so we don't know but hopefully there'll be another season I hope so yeah just it was pretty amazing um, obviously since last time Iron Fist has been released in full yes what are your um, thoughts I felt the first half was very slow yes and didn't do much to change from I think the expressed issues of the majority about it right in that because I think people said it's too much joy and it's too much meet him yeah. and there's a whole lot of joy and a whole lot of meet him in the first season that but then had, yes. I think it was episode five, which might be the best episode of TV I've watched this year. Right. And then it dropped through the floor again in terms of quality. Yeah. So overall, I liked it. I think there are definite improvements. I think the story was um, definitely told better. The plot worked a lot better, but the pacing was still really, really slow. Obviously, the fight choreography is gone. It's amazing now. It's so yeah. much better, so much more engaging. But yeah, it's still, yeah, I still like the, the plotting and, and the characterization and stuff. To me, I don't really get the two of them in terms of chemistry. And not necessarily chemistry, but in terms of compatibility. I mean, anyone could look at that and go, no, Danny's not someone that you could form a relationship with and cohabit with. Right, yeah, yeah. With his, with his tendencies to to take you know take independent action how many times does he just defy her light with the first like four yeah, episodes yeah, yeah don't do that okay yeah i definitely won't do that does it yeah don't please don't do this anymore okay i definitely won't do that does it and it's just like oh <laughs> i mean i don't know where they're gonna go with with this yet i thought i thought it left the whole thing in an interesting oh, yeah, the place ending was, the ending was bonkers yeah absolutely bonkers i i thought it left it in a really interesting place uh yes, we don't know did. whether iron fist is going to come back for another season yeah yes. it's, it's, that's up in the air we don't know whether they're getting another has, defenders has anything season. been confirmed for season three yet on no. the netflix no, I all. don't think so. They're still because we know they've they've not decided on another season of the Defenders. They've not confirmed another season of Iron Fist. We know we've got Punisher coming, Daredevil's coming next very soon. Yeah, very, um, very, very. yeah I mean, I don't know. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with season three stuff, but it would be a shame if they left it there i sort of would like to see a third season of it just to see where it goes but at some point i think it would make sense to team him up with luke cage and do a a, you know a show with with iron fist and luke cage as they were in the comic books the heroes for hire stuff that that would sort of make sense to me but they sort of need to resolve where that both those shows ended at the moment yeah definitely um I have to say that in terms of that, um, Sasha Dewan had like all the best lines. Yes. It was, I think, just an amazing performance. Because I listened to like reviews and stuff where people sort of questioned his character. I was like, no, I get it. I totally, I totally get where he's coming from. Yeah. And I think it makes even more sense when you see inherent issues with Danny as a person. Yes. And why that would just drive him to that level of mania. Yeah. I would say his performance is probably the best. His character is probably the best. It's probably the most well written throughout the whole thing yeah they write villains fairly well on those shows generally yeah like i mean Kingpin. fisk was by yeah fisk was yes, by like far it. the best thing of of the first season of daredevil and yeah. he is returning for the new season as we've seen in any of the trailers that have been out so you know they wrote fisk very well 
I mean, Punisher arguably was probably one of the best things out of that run, although technically not a villain, he's an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they seem to write those roles much better than they do some of the heroes. Uh, yeah, definitely agree. But I think, I think that's, a, that's a problem with superheroes, the genre in general, is that you see them, they will almost constantly repeat their mistakes again and again. Yeah. And that's great. That's And that just about works on a Netflix that you'll see, you know, you'll see a show once every 18 months. But if you're watching something like The Flash or The Hour, that's gonna, that drives you nuts. You're watching it the same, <laughs> same thing happens every single year. Yeah. They are getting to the stage with the CW shows that they are starting to hopefully change things up a little bit. Now, mm. you know, I mean, you've got Arrow in prison when he comes back. And yeah. I suppose that's a spoiler, but I know people get upset because we got told off for telling off too many spoilers. But if you've seen any of the trailers for the latest yeah. season, uh, we won't say any more than that. But yes, mm-hmm. that's where mm-hmm. he starts off. Well, no, to be fair, the, f- the finale does say the finale does have that information. Yes. So. so it's, yeah. But yeah, other than that, moving away from superheroes and moving to something very different, we have Burden of Truth, which is drama um that yes. comes from cbc in canada you can find it in the uk on universal tv and it stars christian crook and peter mooney yes and it's the story of a big city lawyer who comes back to hometown and through events decides to represent a group of high school girls who have become sick with a mystery illness yes and it's a simple simple thing and it's also i think in america it's on the cw which given that it's it's yeah. fronted by christian crook who makes sense yes you know breathing the beast huge international hit for some reason yeah and i've watched about I think I've watched four episodes of it, and it's really good. It's a good drama. It's got a wide range of characters, and lots of um, character development, and you are interested in why the kids are sick. Yeah, obviously, it's got those. It's got some, but not much in terms of legal stuff. Yes, it's I not guess overly it heavy get, on it. It's good. Yeah, we'll get probably get into it more at the second half of the season. But yeah, mm. um, I would definitely recommend if you like if you like drama, if you like Crystal Crook, go watch it. Yeah, I'm probably about as far in as you are, actually. I'm probably four or five episodes in because I'm, I'm running a bit behind on that. Yeah. I think it may have finished by now yeah, on I think it has Universal. Finished. But yeah, I, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I, it was a good, interesting sort of take on, on those sort of legal dramas, interesting character developments, like you say. I, yeah, it's a it's nice little show worth going to, to check out, I think. Yeah, there's not... I, it's having was it is it maybe 12 episodes something like episodes that yeah. so, so that's so it's not it's not going to take it long to binge so you don't have to you don't have to binge it you can just watch it you know yeah. as a regular appointment or in between other shows as a palate cleanser yeah and yeah so the last thing i have to talk about is the babysitter right on netflix which i know i guess probably a little over a year ago i saw a trailer for this and got massively hyped and I totally forgot about it because <laughs> because I saw the trailer and it was like you know three months later was the release date and it stars Judah Lewis and Samara Weaving right and it's directed by McGee and if you know that if you know that name from Charlie's Angels yes you, you know the sort of um, the style of film you're about to watch it's a comedy horror it also features a lot of big names it's got Robbie Amell yep. obviously for the formerly of Firestorm Hannah Bailey from uh, Pitch Perfect Bella Fawn Emmy Alien Lind and King Buck um, well known YouTuber and comedian right okay and basically it, at first it seems pretty quick cutter really really nerdy kid who must be about 12 has I would say a crush but has definitely has a love of his babysitter right, who yeah. sort of seems like an older sister he never had and right. he has a couple of very strange parents and they go out obviously the babysitter comes over 
and he, she's been a babysitter for quite some time. And then in the evening, his best friend, potential love interest, had challenged him to stay up, see what they get up to, suggesting that perhaps the babysitter was going to do some crazy stuff. So he does, and what he sees forms the rest of the film. And given that it's a horror, you could probably guess part of it. Right, yes. So yeah, it was a heck of a lot of fun. It's got a very quirky way of storytelling, which you'll start to see. I, I think you start to see it from the first scene, I think. But yeah, I would definitely recommend it. It's a lot of fun. The actors have a lot of fun in it, especially Robbie Amell. <laughs> yeah, it's just interesting. It's also, it's like, I think it's just maybe the second time or maybe even more that Robbie Amell and Bella Ford have worked together because they worked together on The Duff. Right, yes. Which is which is a great film. Right. Which I'd, I would highly recommend. And yeah, I had I had a lot of fun watching it. And yeah. I'm glad I I'm glad I remembered it. Yeah, I might have to go and uh, go and check that out. I, I don't do horror very much, but horror comedies are, are usually quite good fun. And... You've got to be in the right frame of mind for a McG movie sometimes, but you know, if they are usually stupidly good fun. Yeah, those, I don't watch, those... I tend to stay away from horror films, but I don't mind things like this. It's certainly not The Conjuring or The Exorcist. Yes. It's just, yeah. a, it's just a fun film. It's definitely more teen comedy than, say, than a horror film. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of the fact that I don't usually look at horror, one thing I have seen this week, mm-hmm. The Haunting of Hill House, which is uh, actually released on the 12th of October on Netflix, but I'm talking to one of the cast later on this week. So they... Is that the, seven, is that the older, older boy? Oliver Jackson Cohen, who yeah. plays one of the mm-hmm. older brothers in mm-hmm. the family. I'm talking to him later this week week it probably won't go up on the podcast because they're insisting on doing it over a uh, conference line so the quality will be horrific probably so Mm -hmm. uh, it will go up as a post on the website but this is a a supernatural tv series i've seen the first episode of it so far oliver jackson going actually isn't in that first episode very much (laughs) he is he is a little bit but he's got like one relatively short scene i know he's the the show is from uh, Mike Flanagan. It revolves around this family who lived in this uh, place called Hill House, which appears to be haunted. Basically, the parents of the family had bought the house to flip it, to do it up and flip it. And uh, when they're there, you sort of get shown bits of of flashback of them, the children in the house with their parents, and you get to see sort of little bits of what happens, and then you follow them as they're sort of grown up. And uh, one of the four children has become somewhat of a sceptic to this uh, paranormal phenomena, and he is investigating various paranormal phenomena and writes horror novels, one of them being The Haunting of Hill House, one of them being the actual, the book, because the TV show is based off off the book. So he's they've sort of used that and he actually wrote a book about sort of things that happened in the house when he was a kid. And it transpires, although, you know, he writes all these various horror stories, he's never actually encountered supernatural stuff himself. So he's sort of a little bit of a sceptic, but uses them as a jumping off point to write these horror novels much to the annoyance of the rest of his family because the rest of his family have seen things and you know he's using bits of their life in the book and they're not very happy about it so it's quite sort of interesting just just following this family it's not like out and out horror there's a few nice little scares in there it's more kind of creepy it's not like sort of gore and blood and guts or anything like that certainly not 
from what I've seen so far. And although I don't really do horror TV series, I did really enjoy that first episode, and I will go and watch, try and watch some more before I do uh, this this interview later. So I think that's going to be one worth watching out for. As I say, I've only seen the one episode so far, so uh, it's, it could be something worth looking out for, though. 12th of October to Netflix, called The Haunting of Hill House, that one. Mm-hmm. Staying on Netflix, other things I've watched, The Good Place came back with a phenomenal first Yay! episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say anything about this show other than if you've it's probably watch it. yeah watch it I don't want to give anything away because whatever I tell you will give away things that happened previously and I, I, don't, so. yes. I don't want you to do that just so, watch it so, but I will say it is probably the best sitcom on TV right now I, I think it's hilarious Yep. Yeah, absolutely brilliantly written. If you've not caught The Good Place yet, the first two seasons are fully on Netflix. The third season is just started and will go on weekly from this week. Just go and watch it. It's absolutely brilliant. Over on Sky One, The Last Ship came back and they, they put out the first two episodes of that. I mean, I like this show. It's fun and silly. And yeah, I think I watched the first two seasons. Yeah, it did start to get to the point of how many large world-changing events can you throw at one group of people in a boat. But the last season, because we're on season five now, uh, the last season kind of takes a slightly different tack in that it's not anything to do with germ warfare or that sort of thing. Uh, The whole thing's based around a cyber attack, which sort of takes down areas of the US just as it's starting to rebuild. That's sort of the basis for the fifth season and uh it will be the final season as well and i think that's probably the right thing because i I, you know five seasons is a respectable number and i'm not entirely sure how much more you could get away with at this point but i've i've enjoyed the first four seasons of it it's good fun escapist action tv show so uh, i'm quite glad to have that back and uh, South Park started again with its 22nd season and i i've dipped in and out of South Park and i missed a bunch of seasons in between but the opening episode for this season is called Dead Kids. And I, I mean, it's just pure classic South Park taking the most inappropriate topic and skewering it in a wonderful, thought provoking way. And it, it's uh, dealing with school shootings in the US and deals it in such a way of there are shootings that happen on a sort of daily basis at the kids' school. And they're all so numb to it at this point that they're sort of ignoring it. So, you know, the mother is the only one that's actually got any kind of panic about her. And, yeah, there's the shooting goes off at the school and they're at the dinner table and she's going, Kyle, tell them what happened at school today. And it's like oh, well, I didn't do very well on a math test. And, you know, it's like, but what about the school shooting? Oh, oh yeah, some the, the, the school got shut up again. And the dad's sort of going, okay, right, fine. Um, what's this about you failing a math test? You know, there's, there's just no <laughs> connection between the sort of fact that the school's got shut up because they're all so numb to it. It's just brilliantly done. Absolutely wonderful bit of satire. South Park at its best. And uh, I I mean, I can't believe they're still going so well after 22 seasons and still managing to do this and do it in a kind of vicious, thought-provoking way. It's just brilliant. And uh, the other thing that landed this week was the trailer for Dark Phoenix, which, have you seen this? Yes, indeed. Uh, Yeah, I did, actually. Usually... I observe a strict no trailer policy, but I think because of probably one of 
one of the biggest storylines yeah. in X-Men comics. I had to. Yeah. And then I wish I hadn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I think the main, well, I'll tell you the thing is, is that because obviously when you get trailers, you generally get like, we get press things and it has, here's a link to a trailer. Here's a link to a poster. And then at the bottom, here's a synopsis so you can put that in your story. If you read yeah. the synopsis and then look at the trailer, two different films. <laughs> because the synopsis, it's pretty much a synopsis of what happens in the comics. Yeah. And the trailer is it's just <laughs> it just seems like the the beginning it seems like the first time they did it in the earlier X-Men right, which yeah, was yeah. which was a great yeah because the problem with Dark Phoenix is that Dark Phoenix is all about space aliens yes armadas destruction of planets yeah and it happens to have the X-Men yeah so obviously that doesn't work in a cinematic no thing. no because, when, you, when you've had yeah. absolutely no allusion to any of those things beforehand uh, yeah I, I I mean I've like, it's def- I think I think the first line of it is after the X-Men perform a space rescue. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do they have, they, they don't even have a place to live. How do they have, how, how are they in space? I, I mean, I think that's been the problem with the rebooted sort of younger X-Men is it's been very, very disjointed in, yep. in places. You know, it, the timeline seems to slip all over the place. And it, yeah, well, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's an issue because another reason why the Dark Phoenix is one of the biggest comics storylines is that Jean Grey is the founding member of the X-Men huge backstory yeah. but in this she's literally been an X-Man for a day right yeah she has no input you, you have no you don't know who she is yeah she's just just a girl who turns up in the last room and does a little something yeah whereas you think if you think like in the in the comics a founding member of the X-Men would be Mystique arguably yeah Beast yeah and I forget what else got blown up didn't they and that's oh, the right. thing it, it's it just it's so yeah it just doesn't it looked at it and went ooh it feels like the Civil War effect, which is let's use a really big name and sucker people in and then tell a story that has nothing to do with it. Yes, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with X-Men moving forward from this. Because oh, I yeah. mentioned in the article that this is probably the last incarnation of the current X-Men yeah, going out. Yeah. And somebody posted, oh, well, it's not the last one. There's still new mutants. Well, yes, I know there's still new mutants, but that's like a very has, different beast. Yeah, that's got no, that's got no connect. That's going to yeah. have no connect. Um, it, so. it, regarding Foxy, X-Men I rather yeah it's probably the end of what we call the first class universe. Yeah, because it would make more sense for Disney because there's, I mean, this is because there is the Disney-Fox merger going through. Assuming this goes through without a hitch, which it looks like it's probably going to, I suspect that Disney will recast everybody and start yep. again. Because one of the people that you're going to want to be able to put in is Wolverine. And yep. Hugh Jackman's Wolverine is so attached to that Fox franchise. Much as True. I would love to have him in the MCU, you he's quit doing it now so yeah. that's not gonna happen so i think if you're gonna do that you sort of need to start again and i th- i think you know james mcavoy has been quite good as professor x i like michael fassbender as magneto you know and i like the older x-men as well but i sort of think that you probably need to start again if and when they merge them into the mcu i think you're gonna end up resetting everything definitely so that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's move on to some tv and film news <laughs> 
TV and film news this week. We start off with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. One cancellation which may have slipped you by, Dara O'Brien's Go 8-Bit has been cancelled after three seasons, which is a real shame because that was quite a fun gaming show and we don't have that many pure entertainment gaming shows on TV at the moment. So, Do we have any? Yeah, yeah if any. So I think that's a bit of a shame that they've decided not to bring that back because it was a fun little format and it showcased various different games and uh, I thought they, they did a really nice job with it so i'm i'm kind of sad that's going that is true. they've also cancelled i'm dying up here which was a showtime series which ran on sky atlantic in the uk about the beginnings of the stand-up scene in the 70s in the u.s and uh the second season recently finished on sky atlantic and uh, i loved that show i thought it was really well put together but it just didn't have the numbers unfortunately so it's not coming back which i think is a real shame over on e4 they have picked up the the Charmed Reboot. No idea what this is going to be like, but I think E4 is probably the right place for it. Yeah, I think it fits in with it. And it's going to be pretty young skewing now. Yeah, so I, I think that's probably the right place for it. And uh, they've also picked up the sitcom called Happy Together, which stars Damon Waynes Jr., not the one that's in Lethal Weapon. It's the son, yeah, I think. his son, yeah. So uh, it's him, and it's exec produced by Harry Styles. Apparently that it's about a pop star really? that moves in okay. with a family. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not got Harry Styles in it he's just exec producing it so yeah. they've also renewed The Good Fight for a multi-series deal on uh, More Ooh. 4 so that will be around on More 4 for the next few seasons Making a Murderer Part 2 has finally got an air date on Netflix that's coming Friday the 19th of October I really enjoyed the first season of that I thought it was a really interesting series so uh, I'd be intrigued to catch up I've sort of I know some bits of things that have happened in between because it's been in the news but mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll be interested to see how they cover it for the uh, second season of that or part two as they're calling it because it is sort of a continuation of the same yes, story definitely. and they've also announced the UK return date for all the main DC shows on Sky so starts off with The Flash on Thursday the 18th of October Supergirl on Monday the 22nd Arrow on the 23rd on Tuesday and Legends will begin slightly later on the 31st of October on the Wednesday I think they're all pretty much staying the same sort of days What about Black Lightning? Black Lightning is back on uh, the 16th I think so I mean technically Black Lightning's first but it's not part of that same universe so Mm. but yes that's back on Netflix as well Sticking with the Arrowverse though they've given a bit more information about the crossover event Mm. the crossover event will be called Elseworlds which is interesting because we're all assuming that it was going to be something like Gotham or although I guess that would get very confusing with a Gotham TV show but um, they're calling it Elseworlds and they've also announced they've cast LaMonica Garrett who you may know from Designated Designated Survivors yeah so they've cast him as the monitor as well, which is is an interesting addition for those of you that know the comic books. I mean, Elseworlds is an intriguing title to pick because the Elseworld brand generally is known for doing things which are not only sort of set in the multiverse, but set in kind of very obscure, different multiverses. So they're yeah. things like Superman, Red Sun, 
when mm-hmm. you know Superman lands in the USSR rather than the US. Yeah, the period uh, Batman thing. Yeah, so the, we got them by Gathra, which is a period Batman thing, chasing Jack the Ripper. So they tend to be those sort of things where they they are very much not attached to the main canon. Mm. Although they've then folded some of those back in into the multiverses. So they're in a there is a multiverse where the Gotham by Gaslight world exists. There is a multiverse where Superman landed in Russia. So I mean, it sort of fits in with the TV universe because we've established multiverses because Supergirl's in one and Black Lightning's seemingly in another. I do wonder if they're using this as a way of setting up the Titans Doom Patrol multiverse, whether Batwoman is going to be in that universe or whether she's going to be in a thing of her own where there was no Batman yeah. and it's Batwoman instead. Maybe yeah, they're see, going down that route. See, I had a, like a heated discussion with a friend of mine who was insistent that Batwoman would be an Earth one, and I was like, well, no, that doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, it would seem yeah. to make more sense to see that she would be in, say, Earth 4 or some, somewhere like that. And it would be interesting to see whether or not she's the first of the Batman moniker or if there was or is a Batman in her one. Which obviously yeah. we'll, just have to, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, so, I, I mean, we don't know at the moment, you know. I mean, yeah. we have seen multiverses, so whether this is going to be attached to a multiverse we've already seen, whether it's going to be set to, set to one of the Earths we've already seen, or whether it's going to be entirely separate, we don't know at the moment. Or whether it's going to be something that's messed around with the timeline. Because the introduction of a monitor, Marnie Vo, which is the uh, character Le Monica Garrett playing, mm-hmm. that's sort of one of the name monitors. There are, in the comic books there was sort of one monitor and then there were a whole bunch of them and then i think they were less of them and then there were more of them and then there were one of them and they're like a race that monitors the multiverse and there's sort of more or less of them depending how many multiverses there are how many kind of universes there are in the multiverse so it's an interesting character to put in but they generally they just watch they don't get involved usually the only time you see them is during a large crisis event so having Mm -hmm. one appear is not usually a good thing for people so i don't know i mean that's kind of going to be quite interesting i think to see how they're going to use him and what they're going to do with it i mean as as we know we've got batwoman showing up which is ruby rose we've got tyler hoechlin who is back as superman clark kent we also know that lois lane is going to be in this played by elizabeth tulloch who is from grim cassandra jean amel has got a role in this playing as nora freeze who is is yeah traditionally the wife of dr freeze Traditionally, the wife of Doctor Freeze. Although, again, maybe if they're looking to place Batwoman as as the as a primary, of, then yeah. she could then it it might be Doctor yeah. Freeze might be might be uh, that character. Yeah, might be Nora. So. I mean, that, be, I think that'd be an interesting take. Yeah, yeah, where they've sort of gender switched most of the roles. I mean, maybe maybe the Lois Lane we're going to see is actually a Superman rather than, or Superwoman rather than Superman. Although, maybe maybe was, they gender switch those as well. For what I've seen from the press stuff, it does tend to suggest that Lois Lane is one that's in Earth S. Right, and they're okay. just And so they're just speculating about where they are in their relationship, whether right. they, they're still reluctant partners or if they're, you know, dating or something. Yeah. So obviously there's no... Yeah, there's no reference made in Supergirl over whether or not Clark is like in a relationship. So I assume, yeah, that I assume that she's from that universe, not another one. Yeah. The other thing we've got, of course, was spoilers if you haven't seen the end of Supergirl's last season. But uh, the very final scene of Supergirl's last season was a version of Supergirl showing up in Russia, which is mm. basically the Red Sun storyline. So whether that ties into it as well, maybe we don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, I get, I get very good. 
I get very concerned about time traveling shenanigans. <laughs> so um, we don't know exactly what's happening, whether it's a messing around with the timeline, whether it's something to do with the... I mean, it would seemingly be something to do with the multiverse, but we don't know how they're going to get into it. I think adding a monitor in there is an interesting pick. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm quite interested for this. Should be over in December, we hope. Uh, should air over here. It's airing December in the US. I suspect it will air in December over here as well. Moving on to Netflix, they've they've gone heavy into the sci-fi. They've commissioned three new sci-fi series uh, on on top of the ones that they've already commissioned, things like The Order, Lock and Key, V Wars, Another Life. They've now added three new ones, which one's called The Island, which is I hyphen land. Mm -hmm. October Faction and Warrior Nun are the three series they've they've picked up. So uh, October Faction comes from uh, Damien Kindler, who worked on uh, i think he was the creator of sanctuary he's worked on krypton and, and sleepy hollow based on the idw comic book written by steve niles follows a globe-trotting monster hunters fred and dolores allen who after the death of fred's father return to their hometown in upstate new york with their teenage children as the family addressed fred and dolores must hide their identities a member of a secret organization and our heroes quickly discover that their new small town setting isn't idyllic as it seems so seeming a comic book about a couple of monster hunters a family of monster hunters or a family of monster hunters yeah I mean whether the kids are involved as well I don't know but the parents certainly are you imagine the kids are going to get involved in some way Mm. um Difficult to say from the description because we've had a few things which are sort of people move small town and there are monsters. Because, I mean, Grimm arguably was that sort of idea. Sanctuary was about monster hunters as well. So maybe Damien Kindle is probably the right person to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know the comic book at all. No, I don't know. So. But we'll see. Ten episode series they've ordered of that. We'll we'll see when that comes. Island comes from Van Helsing writer Neil Laboot. It follows ten people who wake up on a treacherous island with no memory of who they are or how they got there. They set off on a trek to find their way back home. They soon discover the world is not as it seems. Faced with the island's extreme psychological and physical challenges, they must rise to better themselves or die as their worst ones. It's sounding very lost to me, that. No, well, I look at that and think more of a whole lot of horror films. Yeah. Horror mystery films that involve people waking up with no memory of things. Yeah. It's a pretty common trope. So, yeah. um, Mm. that does have a cast and I mean the cast sound reasonably good it's Kate Bosworth who was in uh, Long Road Home Still Alice Natalie Martez who was in The Crossing and Under the Dome and Alex Pettifer who was Magic Mike I'm number four he was in Stormbreaker when he was a kid as well oh yeah so uh, those are the three stars I'm a big big fan of uh, Martinez right yeah I wish her stuff wouldn't get (laughs) cancelled yes well there is that you know Crossing was good and Under the Dome was a good series it's just a, a real shame so um, we'll see with that but hopefully it will hang around uh, Neil LeBlute's going to be showrunner director and writer of uh, it's only seven episodes that series mm. Jonathan Scarf who also Tom Van Helsing he's joining on the directing side to help out Lucy Titler who was on Mr. Robot is also joining with writing so yeah I mean interesting bunch of people Van Helsing seems to have a reasonable following so who knows uh, yeah I watch it it's Mm. It's, it's okay. <laughs> I'd say it's okay. It's, mm, it's, a, it's not exactly a ringing endorsement. <laughs> No, I definitely, I definitely wouldn't put it down as a ring door when I say it's, it's okay. a horror. It's just a simple Canadian horror. Right. I just think the writing could be better. 
Right, yes. We'll see what happens with that. Warrior Nun is the third one. This comes from uh, Ghost Wars and Continuum creator Simon Barry. Ghost Wars, I think, went out on Netflix over here and cancelled after yeah. one season. Continuum, we stuck around for a while. I think that went out. Yeah, Continuum, I think it was like maybe yeah, four or five seasons. Four or five and seasons. I think of that. both of those shows are excellent. Ghost Wars, I didn't watch, but I, I did really like Continuum. I thought that was really good. Yeah. It's inspired by the Warrior Nun manga novels. The story revolves around a 19 year old woman who wakes up in a morgue with a new lease of on life and a divine artifact embedded on her back she discovers she is now part of an ancient order that has been tasked with fighting demons on earth and powerful forces representing both heaven and hell want to find and control her yeah, I mean, an interesting enough setup. I guess it's not exactly that original, but it doesn't mention anything in the description about her being a nun. Well, but I'm assuming well, it, she it, is. It's, <laughs> it's hard for it to be original when it's an adaption of of, of something. Very so. true. So, I mean, you know, uh, Barry's going to be the uh, writer, showrunner, and exec producer on the ten episode series. Amy Berg, who has worked on things like Counterpart and Da Vinci's Demons and Person of Interest, is a consulting producer on the series. That's the other name which I thought was quite interesting in their lineup because she's worked on some really interesting shows so i i'm quietly kind of confident for that because he's he's done a reasonable job in the other stuff that he's worked on i'd like simon barry's work so we'll, we'll see what happens with that no release date for any of those shows yet but we'll let you know when we hear more they have all been properly commissioned they're not sort of like pilots and stuff they've all got series orders so they are going to be coming like the next year or the year after you'll probably see those and the last new story we've got zoe kravitz is to start in a high fidelity series which is coming to Disney's as yet unnamed streaming service this is sort of based on the original novel by Nick Hornby which followed Rob who was a London record store owner and along with his employees Dick and Barry obsess over music pop culture and top five lists of things you'll probably be familiar with the film as well which starred John Cusack and Jack Black I loved the film I think that was a brilliant adaptation of the book the book's great as well TV series obviously they've announced Zoe Kravitz who is not a guy so uh, she is taking the lead in it so they're gender switching the lead round comes from Bull and Ugly Better writers and producers Veronica West and Sarah Kuzerke or Kuzerka it's an interesting group of people behind it I think gender switching the lead is perfectly okay I think that's an interesting thing to do interestingly uh, Zoe's mum mm-hmm. was in the uh, the movie version as well because her mum is Lisa Bonnet and her dad's Lenny Kravitz so uh, she Lisa played uh, one of the roles played Marie DeSalle in the film version Zoe Kravitz has been in Mad Max Fury Road she's been in Diversion she's been recently been starring in Bid Little Lies so uh, I think this is an interesting wider adaptation you know because a lot of the stuff that we know is coming to the Disney service is things like you know it's genre things like Star Wars or you know we know we've got a live action Star Wars TV series there's the Clone Wars revival coming High School Musical they're talking about potentially doing live action Loki and Scarlet Witch series we've got a Monsters Inc animated series so this is this doesn't really necessarily fit directly into any of those moulds so it's a different kind of straight adult drama I guess I'm assuming they're not aiming it at younger audience. I'm assuming it's going to stick as being a sort of adult drama, which I, I think is a is an interesting take. Yeah, just, it seems. I think it seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, I obviously hope for the best. Yeah, I hope they do a decent job with it because I I think it's it's quite a beloved thing that both the film and the book were very kind of well respected. So uh, hopefully they don't kind of mess with it too much. But I mean the, the the whole thing with the the book and the film of his girlfriend leaves and he goes to reevaluate his life 
by going through mm-hmm. his top five works breakups. I can see the top five things sort of extending out over a series quite well. You know, I, definitely, I can see that working well as a sort of series with sort of one episode dedicated to to a particular thing. So I, I can see how they're they're thinking with it. I can see why it might work as a series. So uh, one to look out for. We don't know anything about the what's happening internationally with the Digini streaming service, other than they're saying it's launching late 2019 in the US, then's going to be rolled out worldwide. They have said they are rolling it out worldwide, but I mean, if it's late 2019 and then everywhere else afterwards, it could be 2020 before it's released over here. I just hope that when they do it, they do it when the live action Star Wars series comes out. Otherwise, that's going to get pirated to death by people. So that's all the news we have for this week. Next up, we have the interview. 5th of October. So that's coming back very soon. He's also working, as I said, on DuckTales, the revival of DuckTales he was involved with, and Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween, which uh, is a new movie which is coming out on uh, in the US. It comes out on October 12th. I'm not sure when it's out over here yet. So there's a lot of stuff we talked about. We mainly talk a bit about Man in the Eye Castle, about DuckTales, about uh, his work on Peter Rabbit, because that was kind of interesting, and uh, the work on Goosebumps as well. But he's a really nice guy. He was lovely to talk to. So here's the interview with Dominic Lewis. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. Hey, how's it going? All right, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Good, good. It's slightly over 12 months, I think, since we last spoke, something like that. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I can't remember whether you were working on DuckTales last time we spoke to you. I think maybe you just got it, but you couldn't talk about it, so we didn't talk about it. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah, that's a good memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. Should we start off with DuckTales? Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's like the uh, the the thing that has been out on it over here. So, um, what was your reaction getting the call to get that? Then it was kind of crazy. I'd been in contact with Jay and Mark over at Disney TV out here for a while. Had a meeting with them, like I want to say six years ago, five or six years ago, and just nothing really that schedule wise was was linking. You know, with, that I could make happen, and because mm. um, I was still sort of doing additional music with other people and. I didn't really have my own setup, really. So it would have been too hard to take on a show. But anyway, Jay, bless him, kept asking my agents, you know, would he be interested in this? Would he be interested in that? And then DuckTales came up. And being such a massive DuckTales fan, I was like, I have to do that. I have to do that one. <laughs> and that's turned out to be one of the most successful things I've done. It's 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 really been amazing. I mean, the show that people love the show because it's so difficult with a reboot. Uh, um, yeah. 
to get it right and and frank and matt have got it so right and people love it yeah i mean it's got an amazing voice cast on it the animation's great obviously in terms of the music where did you kind of start with that were you taking any inspiration off the original stuff or or was it just completely clean slate it was a clean it's i mean i sort of have subconsciously ron's music in the back of my head because it was so great it is so great but i didn't want to revisit it i made a conscious decision not to go and revisit it because i didn't want to as as a team we wanted to cre- create the best version of ducktales you think you remember and i think it was important not to go down that nostalgic route and try and conjure up any correlation between the scores now just now and again you know we use the main theme the moon theme comes into play um at the end of season one so you know there's little little hints of it but mm. i i made a conscious decision not to to revisit the original scores and to see exactly what ron was doing because i wanted to bring what i bring to something um yeah so it was important for me not to do that but i first got involved actually with um you know i have got produced credit on the main title the right. new main title yeah um because i got when i said yes to doing the show they brought me in for my thoughts on on the main title and um it was it was funny actually because they they've done this what well, as you can as you can hear it's sort of you know a new young fresh take on it mm. but the bridge when they originally did the bridge and smitty's great the main producer who did it did the bridge they you know they modernized the bridge and they changed the chords and i am like i still have the original in my itunes yeah i, I mean it's one of my favorite things <laughs> it, of all time it is, it is one of the best tv themes it's ever just, made yeah exactly so and then so i'm listening to another oh, school this is cool this is cool and then the, the the bridge came and i'm like whoa 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 you changed the chords <laughs> you can't change the chords you gotta have a, you put the chords back so i sort of became involved in that and before i even touched the score i was doing i was doing stuff on the main title i wrote you know i, I made sure that jerry hayes original horn lines were put in there on strings and kind of gave it a, a, a chugging kind of action string feel underneath all the cool new um, pop elements. Mm. Um, and actually, I met Mark Mueller later on and told him the story. And he was like, thank you so much for keeping my course. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, so I got involved with that first. And then obviously the, you know, episodes started coming in and I started on the score so yeah what what a thing to to land on because it is and particularly being able to get involved with the main theme as well although you're not writing the the melody for it I mean it's such a classic thing to be able it's to scary, get your hands on but it's scary though yeah. you know you don't you don't want to piss people off because because <laughs> no. uh, it's like sacred material but I think, I think Smitty did a really good job of keeping elements of the original but 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 freshening it up a little bit and making it more accessible for uh, for kids because I mean as great as the original is I mean it is very 80s yes so, yeah, I true. mean kids are listening to be like what is this <laughs> So he did a great job. Yeah, totally. And then, of course, you've got this sort of mental leap between something like DuckTales to something like Man in the High Castle. I mean, is there any crossover? Are you working at the same time on those two? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's very strange, but it's also great because it keeps me sane because, you know, you'll be dealing with Nazis for (laughs) the morning i'll have a morning with nazis and then i'll have an afternoon with um joyous little ducks running around having yeah. adventures so just just to, def- just to point out the morning with nazis is referring to banning the high castle and not yes, yes, sorry, no, I, I don't have nazi <laughs> meetings in my studio no, 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 definitely man in the high castle related so yeah it's um i was talking to um daniel schweiger of, of film music magazine yesterday yeah. and um asked me he said do you ever get like depressed or bogged down when working on a high castle and i said actually yeah i do but luckily 
I have ducktails. <laughs> I just, you know, swoop on into ducktails and I feel a lot better about my. It can get really strange writing High Castle too because I, I try and give everything and, and, and emotionally put myself into whatever I'm writing yeah. in order to create the best product. So it does get me down sometimes. But as I say, yeah. I mean, with things like ducktails and goosebumps and, and, and kid stuff, I have, I've tried to do more since I've had children. I've tried to do more children things yeah. um, for kids that I can, you know, they can watch. And, and it also, it does, it keeps me a bit more sane when you do the really dark stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So High Castle's back for its third season very, very soon, actually. Uh, 5th of October, yes. that, that's back. That's so, right. In fact, by the time this goes out, it may actually be already on. So <laughs> what changes have you made for the third season of that from the music side of things? It is a little different, actually, because, well, I'll take you through the evolution of the, the score through the season. Mm. So do you remember season one was very character-based, very intimate, smaller instruments, smaller a smaller palette in order to really get to know the characters. Yeah. I'm being very general. And then into season two, you've got, you know, the prospect of the end of the world. So things got a lot bigger. It got a bit more Straussian, a bit more Wagnerian. And then season three just sort of twists a little bit. And there's more emphasis on time travel and what that means. And so it kind of gets a little dreamier and a little smaller again. But they obviously have, it's sort of a hybrid of the first two. But I've I've wanted to lean a bit into the sort of Hitchcockian mix with K-Dick, obviously. Mm. And and it's like a dreamy time travel with grit and creepiness and weird. So I do kind of draw on that influence from, you know, Bernard Herrmann and Alex North and all those guys doing those sort of noir scores. So there is an element of that, which I've really enjoyed doing. You know, I'm very lucky on High Castle to be able to push the envelope a little bit. I mean, not in regards to the, a big scheme of things, but in terms of TV music, I've been very lucky to sort of experiment and with harmony and melody and really draw on my classical upbringing and teaching and, and bring that out in High Castle, which is, I, I think, why it's been so successful, because it's a little bit different mm. and why people you know of the things i've done the one thing people mention is oh i love your score for high cast and i think that's because i'm able to really experiment freely and i'm not sort of i haven't got chains on it needs to sound cool and fresh and da, 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 da. and i'm just allowed to you know i have a clean slate if you will and i just kind of get on with it and use all my experiences and my love of music and just it just all comes out so season three's definitely been that with sort of experimenting with harmony and, and how far can i push it and thankfully i've pushed it a kind of a long way and, and the picture just holds it because it's so great and it's, it is that weird mix because essentially High Castle is that mash of a lot of genres mm. you've got your period and your sci-fi and, and, and your action and, and you know your romance and, and everything's just thrown in there and, and that's why it's such a great show so I've been able to do that with the music and really have fun with it and you know no chord progression no chord no melody is off limits I'm not going oh well I can't <laughs> do that because then I like that I just do it and if they don't like it they tell me and, and more often than not they're like oh this is great because I'm funny, dealing what? with it's great. I'm dealing with really, really intelligent, amazing, essentially filmmakers in High Castle. You know, David Zucker, the executive producer over there, is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. Mm. Um, so much so that sometimes when he sends me notes, I have to be like, can you just explain what this word means, please? <laughs> Um, in the context of what you're saying, I have no idea. It's just like, I mean, the guy's like a an, an author. Like, he's just, he's crazy. So his taste, we're very much, you know, I guess we're aloof in our tastes. Mm. It's it's a very highbrow concept. So, yeah. um, you know, I can I can push I can push my classical upbringing and maybe my more sort of snooty, aloof <laughs> tendencies <laughs> um, because I'm not a very intelligent person when it comes to um, books and stuff. But, you know, I, I have been trained 
musically. So I do have that knowledge. So mm. it's nice to go back to that and not have to be like, oh, can it be more cool? Can it be, you know, basically yeah. to sum up, falling back on my classical roots and able to, you know, experiment with more, um, highbrow is such a crap word. I'm thinking of a different word, more sort of, and it's not even traditional, more kind of classical contemporary harmonies and structures and melodies, obviously still trying to keep it accessible. So yeah, yeah. It was such a long winded answer. I apologize. <laughs> Quite all right. In terms of the instrumentation for the new season, have you have you discovered any new toys to bring into it or are you still sticking with sort of traditional kind of instruments? Or Not really. I mean, it's the same concept as weird, eerie sounds taken from organic materials and then put traditional orchestral instruments on top of it. But with the time travel aspect, is it's such a big thing in season three. I wanted to create things that I sort of set up in the pilot, this sort of kind of like the bells and the chimes that we associate with time travel, which I came up with to associate with time travel in season one, is sort of now evolving to this next step. And the thing I wanted to create was with the time travel, it's very much, you'll see when you watch it, they have to be in a particular state, in, which we see briefly in two. They have to yeah. be in a particular state to be able to travel. And it's sort of like this weird, eerie dream state that they get the meditation that they get into so this could be just me but you, you know when you're kind of falling asleep and your next door neighbor has wind chimes and they're not the annoying there's annoying wind chimes yeah yeah they're, they're kind of like peaceful but almost eerie ones in the winter especially in yeah, england yeah. when it you know it's it dark super early and you're sort of lying there and you, you don't know whether you're asleep or you're awake so i wanted to try and create that feeling so i used a lot of sort of small chimes that create this melody and it, it's in it's in a, a suite called the trudy suite so i wanted to create this sort of eerie dream-like chime induced sort of meditation that sort of it's almost a waltz and it sort of lulls you into something and then pulls you in and pulls you out which is basically what happens with the time travel in season yeah. three so sort of our Hitchcockian aspect that comes in that requires a different treatment of the same instruments basically I still wanted to keep everything in the world of high castle that I'd already set up I think if I start introducing more sort of synthy elements or stuff because I kind of covered everything of organic like I've used a lot of organic instruments in season one and two and i didn't want to like reach for something that people would be like whoa what's that especially as we don't really spend that much time in the alternate reality in, in our reality it's very much there's a lot lot that goes on in the alternate reality whether obviously whether nazis would um, yeah. have won so the more kind of weirder things happen with time travel and being in the other world which is essentially our world and there's not that much of that so yeah I've, again i've rabbited on a lot but um <laughs> I I, uh, I didn't use many new instruments, but maybe using instruments in a different way. Yeah, yeah. You've got that, which, as I say, is coming out very soon. Goosebumps 2, you ended up involved yes. with. How did you end up on that then? Well, I've done, what have I done now? Three, four, four movies with Sony now, I think. Right. And off the back of Peter Rabbit, which went really, really well, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the head of music there, Spring, thought I was a good fit for it. I don't think they wanted to go back to Danny. Um, yeah, because, I mean, I, it was Danny Alfman did the first one, which is, I mean, that's no pressure to follow, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I know. Yeah, it's, it's a big it's a big ask to follow Danny Elfman but um I don't know why I guess he didn't want to do the second one or they yeah. didn't want to pay for him to do the second one I don't know what it was <laughs> yeah. so I, I you know I ended up doing it and any chance for me 
to write that kind of music. I've always wanted to. I think uh, maybe you asked me in, in the last interview if there was a score I would like to write, what style would it be? And it is that sort of fantasy, magic, you know, Harry Potter-esque type orchestral score. And I've I've been able to do that with this. Um, mm. And it's been so amazing to, again, go back to like what I started doing, which was studying composition at the Royal Academy of Music and, and, and writing these kind of big orchestral scores influenced by, you know, Danny, of course, and, and John Williams, and then further back to, you know, Strauss and Ravel and Debussy and all those guys who I absolutely adore. So being able to pull all that on this score has been amazing. And then getting to record in LA with with, with all the, the heavies that have been on all, all my favorite scores um, <laughs> in Sony, which where most of my favorite scores have been recorded, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just been amazing. And, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of, of this score. It's, it's very traditional. There are adventure elements. There are um, scary elements. And with this one, I really tried to kind of, well, I was pushed by by Ari, the director, and and the producers to to not hold back on the scary stuff. Right. They wanted it to be scary. Obviously, I think the picture allows it to be the music to be scarier because it's sort of it's not goofy or, or you know those negative connotations, but it definitely holds a, a scarier soundtrack yeah. than perhaps the first one did. And essentially, you know, R.L. Stein books we don't have them in England, do we? Not not really. No. I mean, I mean, you probably get a hold of them if you found out about them, but yeah. it wasn't a big thing. But here, they're massive. I mean, every like my wife and and everyone from our generation is like, oh, Goosebumps, so great, great, great. But they were apparently. I've never read one, but they apparently were really scary. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was able to go a bit scarier. I was able to do the traditional orchestral, you know, homage to my to my favorite composers, Williams and Sylvester and Elfman and. And obviously following an Elfman, I could lean a little bit more on the Elfman side of things. Yeah. But I didn't want to copy him. You know, I didn't want to like do a faux Elfman score. Yeah, That's yeah. not what I wanted to do. I was very clear that we should use his theme from the first one because I get so annoyed when you watch... Not that this is a, a franchise, but you know, when you watch those movies that or sequels and like, where's the theme from the yeah, first yeah. one? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like, totally. Why would you... And people get rid of it. I know why they do it because you know they want the cue and they don't want someone else. Yeah. But I think that as a filmmaker and as a, as someone who's supposed to be doing their job for this movie, to tie it into the first one and have those storylines come back and 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 be remembered musically too. So it doesn't happen all that much, but in the important moments when you are supposed to be reminded of the first movie, yeah. lo and behold, the Goosebumps Danny Elfman theme comes back. So I obviously wrote themes of my own for Slappy. I wrote this. Um, um, I wrote a Slappy March, which is sort of uh, Slappy's the dummy in Goosebumps, um, yeah. the, the ventriloquist dummy. I don't know if you if you know the first one, but um, <laughs> so I wrote a March for him, which was super fun, and it basically makes him like this master of puppets summoning Halloween to life, and it, it, <laughs> it makes it. It was just it, it. It gave it more gravitas to do it that way rather than making it scary and weird and like creepy ventriloquist dummy. It was more he has that side of him, but it was more rousing as him being the ringleader of, of, of Halloween coming to life to mm. do this like big march, this big evil march. So that's cool. Loads of like crazy floral orchestral stuff, a la Strauss, a la John Williams, a la, you know, my, all my, everything that's floating up there in my crazy mind. But um, yeah, it's been really, really, really fun to be able to do that. I just, it, you know, you do a movie like this, and you sort of you go, why am I doing this all the time? Yeah. You write, you you know, you write all this crazy orchestral music that you spent 
years of your life training how to do and then you go and you record with these amazing musicians and then it all ends and you feel a bit like weird and depressed because it's all finished <laughs> and you just <laughs> want to do it again and you know everything else is cool but you know DuckTales High Castle all that stuff's in the box and I don't have the interaction with the musicians I don't have the mm. uh, you know I don't get to hear it live on a stage it's just me in my room so I think that's the really special part is and even when I'm writing Goosebumps it's like okay well I know that it's going to be played by this guy or I know it's going to be played by these musicians and they can handle this because it's a little bit more difficult i wouldn't necessarily do this if i was going over to budapest but now because it's the, the best of the best i can write this crazy line mm. it's just been so much fun oh. um and, yeah so it's uh no matter how the movie does i don't know whether people are gonna go see it i hope they do but i'm really proud of the score and i'm getting a soundtrack release so people will get to hear oh, it awesome that's really good. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the the last sort of thing we should probably touch on, uh, Peter Rabbit, which we mentioned a couple of times. Um, yeah. You, you did the score for that. How did you get involved with that one? And what was that working on that like? It was awesome. It was one of the few movies that I've been brought on really early. Mm. Um, the whole thing behind it was Will, the director, Will Gluck. I think he worked with one composer before on his very first movie and had an awful experience. <laughs> right. Um, and so from that moment on was of the mind that he hated film music and never needed it again in his life and would rely very heavily on songs. I mean, he hates he hated film music so much that he made a joke about it in uh, Friends with Benefits of like how cheesy film music is and how rubbish it is. <laughs> um, but then obviously when you do Peter Rabbit, you need music that tells story. You can't just do it with songs. Yeah. Like when I, when I first started on it, I met with Will. Spring thought we'd be a good fit. Again, Sony movie. Spring thought we'd be a good fit. Met with him. We clicked. He sent me the, um, there's a flashback at the beginning of done in uh, Beatrix Potter illustrations. Right, yes, yeah, yeah. That he sent me that and goes, okay, I need a, I need like a traditional piece of music for this. And this was sort of the demo phase to see if he really wanted to use me. So I did it. He absolutely loved it. And then, you know, we had the whole task of trying to come up with the rest of the score. But going back to my story, he doesn't, he's never used a film composer really before. And so it was a, it was a tricky process of, of um, kind of reeling him in because it started with, okay, I want songs. So I'm going to get Dom to do a more song based thing. And then I would do that. And he's like, well, it's not really, it's not really doing it it's not epic enough it's not big enough so he likes to see it with an audience so he can see what's working what's not and it was impossible for me to get enough momentum to come up with the sound and score so i just i rang him up and i was like listen you just use temp for the next whatever family and friends screening and he's like well we're not having any having any for a couple of weeks i was like great leave me alone i will go away and i will come up with a sound for your score because right now i just haven't had time i'm just like i'm on a tv schedule trying to get stuff out so he said fine go away i'm going to new york you go write your stuff send me stuff when you're ready i got in my live room i started with the whole song stuff with the drums and the bass and the guitars and the pianos and you know the harpsichords and stuff and that was my basis which i sent him because i still at that point i was like he still wants songs so i'll send him this kind of like film song type score yeah he was like this is amazing i love this this sound is great i think you found the sound of the movie then we put it in the movie he's like "Mm, it's not big enough it's not epic enough (laughs) so from that point he went away to Sydney because most of it was done in Sydney. He started cutting the film. I took on the beginning of the movie, which had always been a song. He just couldn't get any score in there. So I used these song elements as like an under, as like a, a, a basis of the of the cue. Changed the chords around a bit so it was a bit more filmy and then slapped a big old orchestra on top of it. <laughs> 
Uh, and he came back from Sydney and he watched it. And he's like, oh, you're working on this one. Oh, I've cut this. So this is all different. I'm like, well, just watch this version of it. And he loved it. And he said, oh, I shouldn't have cut it. You've made this work and da, 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 da. And I mean, he still ended up cutting it. But um, <laughs> we'd found the sound of Peter Rabbit, which was, you know, garden tools and and, and orchestra and, and band elements. And it's uh, it's a really cool mix. Because when we first met, he was like, I want something that when people hear the score, they go, that can only ever be Peter Rabbit. I don't want it tempting any other film. People got to hear it and go, that's Peter Rabbit. And I hope I came up with that sound. But uh, it's 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 a cool it's a cool little score anyway. Yeah, that's very cool. That's very cool. I've, it must be interesting working with somebody that seemingly thought he hate composers. So. <laughs> yeah, well, then I went to the premiere. premiere I see, I, I'm turning American. It's terrible. I went to the premiere in um, in England, in Leicester Square, and I caught him briefly because he was doing all the press and stuff. And he said, next time, we're going to put more score in there. I've, I've put too many songs in this one, but you've made me trust score, and now I know what score can do. And I was like, that's great. If I'm the guy that converted awesome. you, that's I awesome. Cover- <laughs> yeah That's so he's on, yeah he, so we're doing we're gonna be doing peter rabbit too i think i personally haven't signed anything but um he texts me saying that he wants me to do it and i think he's officially on board now so right awesome. i think two will be happening next year sometime brilliant so the last two usual questions that we did last time as well so first one is what tv shows are you watching at the moment i just finished forever oh, um, yeah. which is super weird but very sweet and i actually ended up really enjoying it and it's so different to anything i work on anything i do musically so different and i just i love those two guys so i just watched that which yeah. is the only thing i've had time to watch i think have i watched anything else no that's it that's all i've watched forever <laughs> Um, and uh, see if this has changed from last time if you had the opportunity to work in any show past, present or future what show would it be? Last time you said a sort of 60s World War 2 film yeah. generally as a genre and Quantum Leap was the TV show oh yeah that's a great answer <laughs> uh, <laughs> now you need to better it <laughs> now I need to better it okay what show would I score well as we are both Brits you know what I'd like to do Yeah, The Sweeney nice I'd yeah. love to do the Sweeney. That would be super cool. Although I don't know. I mean, I would obviously with any of these shows, I'd never be able to beat the original. But um, <laughs> I'd love to get. I'd love to have a go at doing a really kind of intellectual, intelligent indie movie. Um, okay. In like a, I don't know. Do you ever? Did you ever see Captain Fantastic? Not that I remember. No. Something like that, or like We Bought a Zoo, or something. Right. Something yeah. that's got real heart, but is is super intelligent and well made, and 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 allows you to go a little bit smaller um with sort of kind of cuter instruments and a little bit more i don't know i'd like i'd really like to have a go at that awesome well it's been lovely to catch up again hopefully we'll catch up again in sort of 12 months or so and see what else you've been working on hopefully sooner if i if i can work more then we can catch up quick (laughs) six months or so but um yeah great to chat dave and um speak to you soon i guess yeah talk to you soon cheers mate Take care. Bye. Bye. So that was the interview with Dominic Lewis. DuckTales, you can catch on Disney XD. It's already been out, but I'm guessing they'll be rerunning it because it's Disney. And Man in the High Castle arrives on Amazon on the 5th of October. Now we've got some highlights for next week on TV. 
So highlights for next week, the third season of Man in the High Castle, as we've just been talking about. That's on Amazon Prime on the 5th of October. Very much looking forward to this coming back. It's been a great series. I really enjoyed it. We've got Big Mouth, season two of that, coming the 5th of October to Netflix. Very good animated adult series, that. Then uh, the big one that we've got starting this week, Doctor Who, season 11. 7th of October, 6.45. We have Jodie Whittaker as a new Doctor, Chris Chibnall taking over as writer all reports that have come out from people that have seen it so far seem to be very positive which is good. good i've got high hopes that that this is going to work but uh, 7th of october on bbc one at 6 45 for doctor who still open all hours returns on the 7th of october at 8 30 that's uh, david jensen back in that for the fifth season other big show starting walking dead is back for its ninth season, 8th of October Yay. at 9pm. <laughs> some people looking forward to this, some people approaching it with a certain amount of pre- tre- trepidation. We will be doing our podcast on The Walking Dead, The Walking Dead UK podcast. We'll be back um, on Wednesdays. You can go and find that at Entertainment Talk. See whether we're going to be watching it joyously or hate watching it for the rest of this season, but uh, <laughs> we'll find out when it returns that That's uh, 8th of October at 9pm on Fox UK for The Walking Dead. Sticking with Zombies, Z Nation back for its fifth season on PIC TV. That's on the 9th of October at 10pm. That's a fun show if you've not seen that. uh, I have not, actually. It's worth watching. It takes a little while to get into the groove of what they're doing with it, but it's like a fun version of The Walking Dead. I mean, it's still got some serious bits in it, but it's it's just a lot lighter. It's, It's... entertaining and different and I, I do recommend that series it's good fun Snatch Season 2 for the six people that have AMC Global that's coming on October 9th at 9pm to AMC Global and uh, The Good Doctor is back for its second season on Sky Witness that's on the 9th of October at 9pm that's a superb medical drama if you like your medical dramas and don't have much time that is probably the one I would recommend you go and watch it's uh, mm-hmm. slightly house about the autistic yeah well worth going to watch really really good that show and that's everything we have this week unless you want to add anything else I'm just looking forward to things coming back obviously Daredevil yes that should be interesting we are heading into that time when things definitely start coming back we've got lots of shows coming up Uh, Riverdale's back The Gifted coming up this month Resident all the DC shows Daredevil Making a Murderer new shows like Chilling the Adventures of Sabrina starting so yes a whole bunch of things this month the next month if you want to find more from Daryl you can go and find him at you can find me on Twitter at Shaftsword which is S-H-A-F-T-S-W-O-R-D you can follow my new stuff on HollywoodNewsSource.com and you can find me recapping The Gifted for Starry Mag go and check those stuff out for more on Daryl and for us if you want to find more news which is coming thick and fast at the moment geektown.co.uk throughout the week to see the latest news and air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye bye bye
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.